0: The National Association for the Visual Arts is the peak body protecting and promoting the professional interests of the Australian visual arts. NAVA in Conversation is a series exploring the issues and challenges of working in the sector. We speak with artists, curators and administrators to gain insight into the experiences of contemporary practice and seek to propose ideas for change, progress and resilience in both local and global contexts. So, I don't think of it as brutal honesty. I think of it as um, desperate curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, the large the large theme of stuff is I'm interested in the stuff that plagues me and trying to find some sort of answers to those things. my psychologist is (laughs) still curious about why I do that Uh, like for instance so the the project that I'm working on at the moment is another podcast called Starving Artist and it's about art and money and it's interviews with creatives looking at how do they how do they work out that art money equation in a bunch of different ways so you know like there's interviews with people like Frances Cannon talking about how she makes a living off Instagram and then there's interviews with Wendy Seifert talking about how to negotiate a raise and then there's other interviews about, like, art and class and money and how we develop our ideas around money. Um, and so it's kind of trying to be this sort of... Well, for me, because I went to art school, it's trying to be sort of the the... The, arts, the money art education that I didn't get uh, mm-hmm. in art school. Well, at least that's what it says on my press release. Um, <laughs> it, but it's really looking at like practical shit, like how to do your tax and compound interest. What the hell is that? And then also like questions that are much harder to answer, which is like, how do I still like myself when, how do I still like myself and value my work when no one wants to pay me? To do it, or how much do I use my face or my beauty, if you have it, to as a tool to promote my work, and ha- like where do I sit in terms of that? Uh, I don't. I don't have the answers. But but what I was saying is just that this project <laughs> is because I I have um this thing of like how do I do the art money equation is probably one of the things that has scared me the most so uh, I talk a lot about I talk a lot online and stuff about like people know me as like a mental health advocate I talk a lot about my dark shit Um, um but but a lot of my really major crises in my life so far has been a, a like kind of spiral that's that at its essence is focused on like, fuck, how do I make any money and survive? Um, <laughs> and it's usually, and I like, you know, this, you, I feel weird cause you've heard me say all this shit before, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But like when I get to that place, is usually the same time when I'm like, fuck, should I go study medicine? I don't know. Which is like kind of the most opposite. In my mind, it's the most opposite thing. And it's also like, you know, that idea is coming from, you know, I'm from a middle class background. It's the kind of thing that mm. a lot of people I went to high school with went and did. It's like their respectable career. That's a cultural idea as to why you would go do that. But um I was like, far out, how do I make this work? I wish that there was an entry point into having these kinds of conversations because I feel really weird and awkward and shit about them. And then I was like, I know, I'll make it. (laughs) (laughs) I say that just because I was like, oh, I'll just make it. And then I, you know, like a year later, I'm like, oh my God, this is the biggest thing I've ever done. (laughs) But I think that... Um, I think that those kinds of conversations are really hard to have, and yeah, so I suppose that's what I mean when I say desperate curiosity. The thing that I'm really realizing, particularly with doing starving artists and looking at people who work freelance, is that oftentimes fucking hell you have to be very skillful. like you need to be skillful at a fuck ton of things, yeah. like so many things. and um. I, yeah, sometimes I feel conflicted because, because, um, people will send me messages after they've listened to the podcast saying like, you know, I feel bad saying this, but like saying that the, that the podcast has made them feel like their dreams are possible. And I find that interesting.
1: I feel bad saying this, not a good sign.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I feel bad saying this because I just would, I I would like, I, because I think that that's really lovely, that that's what people think. But at the same time, I also don't completely think that that is what I'm finding or saying with the podcast. I'm saying there's, wow, like I'm saying a bunch of different things. One of it is like success is a spectrum, Mm. Um, but also like, fuck, it's hard. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's funny how even if verbally that's what you're saying, if you appear to be having success, people won't hear that as much. They will just see the success and maybe be like, that other stuff isn't so bad. Like, obviously, Anna has a number one podcast that must fulfill some whole... In your heart that's like compelling you forwards all the time that thing we're always like striving for of this magical time when we'll be successful but we don't often actually define what that is but it's much easier to look at someone else and just be like wow on social media they're having a blast they've made it <laughs> Well, first of all, I think that my
0: social media does not say okay. I am
1: Okay, caveat. Honours definitely <laughs> does not say that. There's a lot of... I cried today <laughs> going on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean before I launched Starving Artists, there was about a month of me going loopy like talking like yes I was quite self-conscious in the beginning but then I was people seemed to really want to hear about me like losing my shit trying to do this project so I was like give it give the people what they want.
1: So on that note I think that's something I've thought about a lot when I've looked at your social media. I think that it's interesting cuz I feel like quite oppressed sometimes by how happy everyone seems on social media, and I know that it it actually has a measurable detrimental impact on my life, particularly if I'm in quite a depressed period.
0: yeah well <laughs> that all comes down to like that's a that's a complicated look at like how you use social media and you know because if friends of mine when they post stuff, I want to see them happy. Like, but, Mm. but people that I don't know and potentially maybe I'm jealous of Mm. like this, I part of one thing that's been really helpful for me in terms of being like giving way less shits about who follows me or unfollows me or whatever. And I don't really like, I don't keep a track or whatever um, is realizing that I unfollow people for all kinds of reasons. Like, Mm you are too good at you, whatever you're doing. It <laughs> makes me feel sad. I don't want to look <laughs> at it. Like,
1: <laughs> Get out of my face with your success.
0: <laughs> Get out of my Instagram feed every time. No, I've done that so many
1: times. I have also done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done it heaps. Sometimes I wonder if I worry about that because of this historical idea that artists should be tortured so it's okay to show yourself being tortured because you're an artist so it's like a little bit of a free pass to be a bit more honest or is that like a chicken and egg thing to you?
0: Well I think that I generally have always found life to be reasonably difficult. And my life like on paper is not difficult. Mm-hmm. I just mean as in my experience of life is like, whoa, how do people do this? <laughs> um so I I don't I don't know, free pass. See, I didn't I haven't always used social media. I only really started using it like a few years ago. And that was just my personal Facebook And it was just – I didn't – like I never used to post stuff on Facebook or anything. And then I just – every now and then I'd write something when I felt like it and I'd post it. And I got a lot of great responses. And people really liked that I was being – somehow at that point or whatever was going on, pushing the envelope in terms of being honest or authentic or whatever. So I – that's what I really like doing Um, So I just kind of kept doing that. But the trick is, like, staying authentic in that process. And the thing is, when I post stuff that's, like, really heartfelt or whatever, it's usually because I'm struggling with something. So for me, my – like, for for me, writing stuff and posting it online is, like – is a mechanism for coping. Because I can like I feel like that for me is a like if if I haven't built anything else, that is an amazing thing that I feel very privileged to have. So I have this thing where I can take whatever shit experience it is. <laughs> that is a way of turning something difficult and then some for me sort of like personal insight into that experience and then writing it down in a way that feels cathartic and pleasurable putting it online and then other people then being like I needed this today or some some other insight or being like yeah this thing or, you know like whatever response it is I'm like holy shit that's amazing like that is a ama- like whoa I am so glad that I had that I feel very lucky that that is a part like that is a part of my life.
1: Do you think about how success will change people's reaction or their reception to you expressing this harder stuff, like, say, Because Starving Artist is so successful. If you are then, I had the worst day, people will be like, unfollow bitch, shut up, how can you complain? Even though that is still, you're expressing the same experience, it's not like you become successful in one aspect of life and then everything else is a breeze. But it does change how people will look at your experience and how you're describing it to them. Oh
0: yeah, totally. To- yeah, definitely. Uh I mean, I don't expect people to stick around, I suppose. Like And I say that because I know that I have I have relationships with other artists' work that goes through a life cycle, whatever. And um so, you know, like, I can't make work that will speak to everybody, and I can't, I can't, like, I just cannot do that. <laughs> and <laughs> so, when Starving Artist was, so I launched Starving Artist, and it was like number one podcast on iTunes Arts, number 10 podcast in iTunes overall, 10,000 downloads in the first week. That's pretty ridiculous for from someone who's making a podcast in their bedroom with like backing of no major organization. And you know, like, like that, 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 that's that I was, I was really blown away by that. At the same time though, I talked online about what the experience was like, which was that it wasn't what I would have expected. Yeah. If you'd asked me that three years ago, I would have been like, am oh, again, I get it made. But the experience was actually quite weird. I felt very on edge and strange. And also that the moment you get something, you're like, yes. Okay, I want more. Or that you're like, fuck, I'm going to lose it. Something, you know, like whatever's going to happen.
1: Just allow yourself to feel success. (laughs) Please don't just try to beat Russell Brand. You've already done a massive thing, which we talked about beforehand. But it's really weird when something say goes really big or it gets attention in some way and you think that it will change you but it actually weirdly impacts on you way less than failing like Mm. it just washes over you and then you're like next thing like where that's what you're always striving for but you never ever ever get there
0: next project that I'm working on is called the big feels club and it's still sort of taking shape as to what it is but I haven't really talked about it publicly yet around like, what it is but it's more about community building than it is about me like making an artwork, if that makes sense. Yeah. So f- I work in the mental health space and I'm really interested in how we can unpack ideas around what is mental health and, and look critically at our experiences and have options for how we make sense of them, basically. And And so that's, you know... <laughs> That's taken form at the moment where, where I'm starting, uh, we've just been doing these like private book club discussion group things. In the last one, we talked about Buddhist philosophy and we talked about Pima children. We talked about like, is there value in crisis and distress? And that stuff is really exciting to me because it's not about me actually that stuff is exciting to me in like actually in the same way that like starving artists is exciting to me because I get to put together these ideas and put them out into the world for people to like think about them like that is the same kind of thing but a different topic and it's more uh face to face more personable more about community building and And more, I kind of, I suppose, maybe direct. So I think that's what that's part of why I've been thinking less of stuff. Is like I'm an artist, I suppose, and -hmm. like I create stuff, I make stuff, but I definitely don't. um, I do like I'm not really that interested in making things, like physical things. So (laughs) I think that. I think that actually when I'm this is a, this is an idea that I find kind of interesting. I think that when I'm in crisis and having a really shit time in some ways like that is a different kind of wisdom. That's it might sound really airy fairy of like, oh, you know, actually hard times are great. But I just mean <laughs> I think about things very differently when I'm in that space. And sometimes that thinking is useful because it makes me
1: do different types of shit. What do you think is different? Are you in... I mean, I relate to what you're saying, but for the benefit of people that haven't had the hours of chats I've had, (laughs) is that, do you think that's like a fight or flight response? Like, what do you think is driving that different way of thinking and... So is there other value beyond the fact that you ask other people lots of
0: questions? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, That's a good question. Um, I think it's just, uh, I think it's desperation when you're stuck in a rock in between a rock and a hard place, you become resourceful in a different way and you think about things in a different way. And, you go about things
1: because when it feels like life or death, that tends to be what happens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if it feels like that, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna go about things differently.
1: So how is that? So say maybe when you started starving artist, it might have felt like that, but you seem to be in a pretty good place at the moment and are planning more interviews, and that's become a sustained inquiry for you how has that mental space shifted to make way for that
0: yeah so one thing that i i want to say on this is like just because we talked before about like the tortured artist idea uh i also think that for me uh having good not having good being in a place where i feel More just kind of even keel. Like I wouldn't even say good, but just like able to sort of deal. And I don't say that in a negative way, like deal, like everything's hard. I don't know. I don't like this idea that people, for me, I don't identify with suffering.
1: No, Um, but so to contextualize... Uh, Honor and I kind of often talk about shared difficult experiences with mental health and with the mental health system. Mm. So when you're saying even keel, you know, and if I talk about that as well, it's really like trying (laughs) to be at a level of functioning that is acceptable in a like nine to five hyper ambitious Upwardly mobile society. <laughs> <laughs> upwardly mobile society. Well, <laughs> like where you're pressured to feel like you must always be achieving, like getting to that for some people where you aren't happy but you are just coping with that. That is quite hard for a lot of people. Well, I mean,
0: I just, I just do not relate to the mainstream idea that, that happiness is like the ideal
1: like, like it's a lie, people. <laughs> it's a lie.
0: <laughs> but that's just like my own experience of and, and the reason why that comes from there is like when I get if I try to live my life where I fixate on that as the the ultimate goal, it makes my life shit. So so when I say Eva Keel, I just mean like I mean like feeling uh comfortable in my life, like feeling like I have a good community of friends that I can deal with stuff that's coming up in in whatever way that's happening um, and feeling like I can look after myself and know what I need. And, you know, like it's kind of like pretty holistic sort of feeling like everything is sort of in its place and also absolutely not at the same time. Yeah. Yes, I learn things in crisis, but I make a lot better work when I'm not in crisis. Mm. So, <laughs> so being in a bit like so, like the tortured artist thing, like that does not work for me. I don't, you know, like I don't need to move towards that or, mm. or at all. <laughs> I'm all right, um, and. I actually make better work when I feel safe and when I feel confident and when I feel supported. So, so yeah, I just wanted to make that point.
1: On what you just said, though, I think most artists that I have seen that do talk about this mystified idea that being experiencing, like, drama intensity or like having mental health issues is part of being an artist. Almost every artist I've ever seen or read an interview with has said that that is bullshit and that they make way better work in those conditions that you just said where they feel stable, where they feel cared for, where they feel comfortable. this buzzword authentic and what it means to you yeah it gets you so much lately it's become one of those words that's kind of meaningless like hipster because yeah. it's like constantly around and everyone's just saying it but what is being authentic
0: yeah so being authentic to me is not what those online courses say about being authentic <laughs> I have a different breed of authentic but in terms of I don't know see I don't think anything is completely authentic. Like, I, like yeah. the idea of pure authenticity is, in my mind, bogus. <laughs> so <laughs> there's the starting point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, there's I, – I feel in some ways that I'm kind of lucky because for me, if I strategize too much and I game too much, I feel disgusting. So, for instance, if I'm like, hey, that person, I want to be friends with them because they've got a million followers. Um, Can I just say I love your sleazy art <laughs>
1: person voice. It's really
0: good. You like this voice? Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm like, hey, that person sounds like they're going to be really useful to me or, like, whatever, I, 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 like, I don't, like, I really don't like that and I really, like, it, if you're someone who's analytical like me and like making
1: projects, it's very difficult to not have those thoughts. Yeah. As in, like, I like, feel like it's impossible. Yeah. And it's really hard when you don't want to be that way to feel pressured. Um, that's like a massive issue I have with my own practice and like having to promote myself online. It's. It's not really how I envisage wanting to be in the world, but I also have the very legitimate fear that if I don't do that, I will melt away into obscurity, which is just a fact. So, how do you counterbalance those things with each other? Which you, we were going to talk about that, that you brought that up of how you use your face. To sell your work?
0: Oh, we don't have to talk about that. No, but
1: I wanted to because I think it relates to what we're talking about. This, like, idea of performing your success Mm. and how, because of social media, that is so intimately tied with who you are in the most intimate way now with down to what you look like and what you wear and what you eat. It's just a 24-7 thing and... If you are an analytical person, it can drive you to a point of being quite crazed because you have to think about it so much. And if you don't want to, but all these unwanted thoughts are popping into your head, it can be really intense. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent response. (laughs) Exactly how I feel. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I find it really I'm very attentive to what makes me feel gross. So I suppose I do think about that a lot. The other thing that really helps is so you can like network all you want or whatever, but and this is a this is a, this is basically a quote from Bo Burnham from the time <laughs> he did a Reddit AMA. He's like, People's attention is volatile and fluky. It's also why, for me personally, I'm very grateful for people's attention, because I think it, like people's attention in this day and era is a precious gift and one that should be um, appreciated. But he says people's attention is volatile and fluky, so you can't put all of your coins into it. The only thing that you can control is your work. And so I've thought about that a lot and I found that actually quite difficult because often I don't have confidence in my work. So, <laughs> so it's, very, it's like that can be quite difficult to be like, yes, well, I'm going to put all my, you know, it can, I can get caught up in the game of social media sometimes and that's a lot easier to play than the game of make your work good, which yeah. is a lot scarier. Because I thought that you had to, like, make it big mm. or fucking go home, right? Yeah. So there's only two options, make it big, go home. And so he starving artist, I was kind of like, maybe there are other
1: options? I don't know. Like, I didn't know the answer. And... Well, you are not an exception to this rule. Considering it made it really <laughs> <It's> big, <laughs> but that's why, like I, I
0: interview people who were in unique situations or who were, yeah, doing it differently, like, and trying to work out what the hell is their life actually like, because there's this thing of like you have to you have to front to the world as an artist, as someone who is definitely making it. Yeah. And so it's very hard as someone looking on and looking up to people and thinking, I'll do that to know what it is you're actually moving towards. Cause you have no, f- like it's very hard to know what someone's life is like from their Instagram. And it, it makes it more complicated if, their social media is about trying to, you know, like show their work as an artist, not because they're lying, but because you know we have to present our work in a particular way. Even I, you know, get this, and it's been interesting getting more success and stuff, and then realizing that like maybe I want, maybe I want to try and get sponsorship for my podcast. Does it matter that my Instagram feed says I have no fucking idea what I'm doing? (laughs) Oh, I think about that all
1: the time. Because, you know, I put up lots of wacky, weird, anxiety-filled things that to me is my work, but at other times I don't want that to be my work. I want to show the really sweet, giant, very, very successful things that I've done and that would be what I would put on my resume. But once you're putting it out there... You can't really take it back. So you are kind of taking a gamble to be really emotionally open and say, hey, I don't have everything together in the public eye. Because it it's naive to think that that doesn't impact on other areas of your life like your career these days when even for pretty minor jobs, I think people tend to Google or Facebook you.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is why I have two names.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Well, thank you, Anna, for chatting with me. Thank you for having
0: me. (laughs) That was really fun. Also scary. Head to our website, visualarts.net.au, for more information on NAVA's advocacy and campaigns for improving the working environment for Australian artists and arts organisations.